Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Hi, I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. <laughs> Why do we do it like that? I don't know. We're so geeky. <laughs> okay. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we're talking about how to create a scene. What is a scene? Why do scenes matter? Okay, so I think the narration in a story is like a little bubble that's above a character. And the scene... Like in a cartoon. Yeah, you see them in a cartoon, these little bubbles, blah, blah, blah. You kind of get that person, what they're saying, because in a cartoon, you can't hear anything, right? So we get a chance to know what they're thinking, but in a scene, we see what's happening. So... It's part of the story that feels like you're watching a movie. So when we see a scene, we're going to remember it. We're going to feel like we're more engaged and we're going to feel more connected. The scene is the show. So when we're talking about show and tell, scene is show. It's the action. It's where we put dialogue and show character. Scenes are the moments we remember. I said that like that's so, um, I don't know, <laughs> sentimental. It's like a Hallmark Scenes card. Scenes are the, the moments we remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> For more on show and tell, listen to episode 47 called Show and Tell. <laughs> that yeah. came out in July 2018. You'll hear one of my stories where I'm fighting with my kid to do his homework. There's like this whole fight scene. You'll hear one of my stories too. Yep. <laughs> Both there. of us. So yeah. that's a good episode, episode 47. And you'll also hear one of our former students, Misha Morrell, and he is the bomb. So don't miss it. Go back. Go find it. On today's show, Chicago listener Michael Howell creates such a realistic scene. Oh, my God. I like I got lost in the story, but I don't mean like lost. I mean lost in a good way. Like I forgot I was reading a story. Back after the break. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great, or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to one Easter time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. 
Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back, and you are listening to Writing Class Radio. This is Andrea, and up next is a story from 29-year-old Michael Howell. He's a veteran who fought in Afghanistan. Michael, who goes by Mike, joined the Marines out of high school. Now Mike is an auto service advisor. He's also in school for business and writing, and he hopes to eventually become a full-time author. Go, Mike! Mike's story is called, How Are You Really? My name is Michael Howell. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Things are better now, right? I ask myself this question most days. I don't have nightmares anymore. I don't drink daily anymore. I'm progressing with my life. I should be happy, and for the most part, I am. I have an amazing, supportive wife, an awesome daughter, a good job, but yet there's a feeling gnawing at the back of my mind. Sometimes it's a smell, or a sound, or a phrase someone says. Or worst of all, sometimes it's just my mind wandering back when I have too much time to think. I'll never forget the sand in Afghanistan. It's not grainy like a beach or the sandbox in my parents' backyard from when I was a kid. It was more like flour or powdered sugar. I will always remember the way I sunk into it whenever our convoy made one of our stops and I would jump out of the Humvee. I was a part of a suit team. My job was to look for homemade bombs or IEDs as we called them. The convoy I was a part of was responsible for bringing supplies to various units throughout our area of operations. We would pick up water, food, mail, etc. from the big main base and then be on the road for a few days dropping off supplies. Anytime we hit a road that had an IED incident in the past month or so, we would get out to search the road with metal detectors to try and find any IEDs buried in the sand, like the little red fire truck still buried in the sandbox in my parents' backyard. The majority of the time, we never found anything. Sometimes we did. On a few occasions, bombs found us. The one that's burned in my memory isn't one we were looking for. It isn't one we could have found. We had been on the road for about a day when we got to an outpost near a small village. The driver started unloading supplies. I jumped out of the security Humvee and sank into the flower, same as always. I checked in with the team leader and then stepped away to have a smoke. When I heard a few Marines towards the back of the outpost start yelling. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but it sounded authoritative. Like a mom on her last nerve yelling at her child who just has to have a toy. As I started walking over to them, the authoritative tone turned into anger. This time I understood. I unslung my rifle from my back. I turned the corner at the makeshift wall whoever built this base put up. A group of Marines pointed their weapons towards a man on a wagon about 100 yards away. The Marines screamed, stop the wagon. The wagon was being pulled by a donkey. The man on the wagon paid no attention. He had a bag of candy and tossed it all around him like he was on a float at a parade. Children gathered. I could see anger and worry on my brother's faces. When it came to base entry points, stress was extremely high every time someone approached. There was a lot of danger in moving parts. There was a set of rules you had to follow before anyone could enter. Wagons or vehicles had to be stopped at a certain distance to be searched. ID cards had to be checked and verified before you could be let in. The man seemed carefree as he approached the 50-yard line. The children were laughing and dancing. The Marines were in ready position. The wagon crept closer and closer, 50 yards, then 40 then 30, then right about 25 yards away it happened. 
the movies never do it justice. They never show you the true destruction behind a blast. It's not a big, giant, long, burning fireball that pushes walls over. It's quick. It sends shockwaves that splinter trees and break walls into chunks. And as quick as it happens, it's gone, leaving behind nothing but ruin and death. The base reaction force sprung into action, setting up a perimeter, rushing out to check for wounded before the sand even settled. I don't know if the man knew he had a bomb, if he was being forced to carry a bomb, or if he did it willingly. All I do know is that many people were injured, and four kids didn't get to go to home to their families that day. I don't have nightmares anymore. I don't drink daily anymore. I'm progressing with my life. I have an amazing supportive wife, an awesome daughter, a good job. Things are better now, right? I always say wow, but I mean it. So powerful. I have no idea what goes on in a war zone, and this guy brought me in. I felt for this narrator, his family, the other kid's family. Before we talk about the scene, I want to talk about the way he started and ended the story. We know he's struggling and trying to convince himself he's okay, but he quickly tells us he's not okay. He, I think he doth protest too much. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. But it's. I thought he then explained exactly what happened. So he took us back and he gave us the backstory on what's going on and why. So we get it. We get why he's not feeling great. What happened to me is I started thinking about all the people that I know that have fought in the military. And I don't know that many. Um, I've heard some stories we've read. Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. Yes. And it's just, God, my son made some crack the other day about, I'm going to go into the military and I want to be supportive. But it's just, God, it's so scary when they come home, like what we're doing. It's a crazy, crazy. I mean, we can get into the politics of the military and how like more people die of suicide than ever die in war. The post-traumatic stress yeah, and all that. It's yeah, it's so bad. But let's stick to, let's not judge this guy's life or anyone's no, but life. But what I want to say is this guy's writing about it. He's really mm-hmm. writing about it. And I, I'm hopeful that by writing about this, it's helping him get through it. I, I don't know that. Oh, I hope so too. In terms of just writing class, he said sometimes it's a smell, a sound, or a phrase that brings him back. That to think that way, like think of a sound or a smell or a phrase. And if that something like that comes up for you as a writer, go with it and just follow the lead of whatever those sounds or phrases, wherever they take you. That's a great, that's just a great writing prompt. But okay, let's talk about his story. So he started and he ended with the same idea. Things are better now, right? Things are better now, right? Right? Uh, We don't know. He's really struggling. He's still struggling. But okay, let's talk about the way he brought us into scene. He told us up front in the story that... um, that the sand was not like sand, not like the sand in his childhood sandbox. That not, is so beautiful, that image. And it made me think of him as a boy. And it made it personalize him as a soldier. 
instead of him just being a soldier, it made me see him as a boy and it made me love him and just uh, feel for him. That was so well done. But he told us early that the sand wasn't wasn't like sand. It was more like flour. And then for me, the scene really opened up when he jumped out of the Humvee and into the flour. And I kind of feel like it probably I don't he didn't say this, but, you know, if you jump into flour, it probably like flies up. Yeah. So I saw that. And then he goes on to describe the scene so vividly and with such detail. Like, what was it? It was a wagon. So the wagon comes up and then there's a guy throwing candy like he's in a parade. And then the children gathered. And I'm sitting there kind of watching this movie of a whole bunch of kids gathering around a scary guy. And then he stopped the scene for a second to slow it down where he told us the rules you can't get that close to, what was it, a base? Well, he's slowing it down because he knows this is a really important scene. And so he wants us to know, guys, pay attention. This is really important. So he slows everything down. He tells us what's going on. He gives us the rules. He right. gives us all of that. So we're our heart is like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Then he's at the 50-yard line. The wagon is getting closer and closer. Yep. And then he stops the scene again, and he tells us it's nothing like in the movies. Oh. Like, we know something is about to blow. Yeah. A great scene. I've I've had it in my head since I read it. Me too. So vivid and so sad and scary. Four kids don't get to go home. He doesn't. It's not florid language. It's just really simply stated. We've talked about this before, like the idea of hot topic, cold prose. It's devastating. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Mike Howell, for sharing your story. And thank you for listening. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Christine Corey. Additional music by Adriel Vershansky. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by the Launchpad at the University of Miami. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. And check out the writing classes and publishing insights we're giving our Patreon supporters. So. For $10 a month, you receive Andrea's Publishing Insights. And we're going to have an email conversation through Patreon where we talk about what works, what doesn't work, what did work, what didn't work, failures and successes with publishing. And for $25 a month, you get to join my Tuesday's Writer's Lunch. So it's just a way to hook hook in on Zoom. We have a little get-together. We all write from a prompt and share. So... It's only $25 a month. That's $6 a class. So sign up. Contact us at info at writingclassradio.com. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. So look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our story. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. 
It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.